0: In this podcast episode, I'd like to tell you a story. It's a story about how the human brain works. I wrote this story based on my ongoing review of the medical literature, my experience as the mom of a child with OCD, and my lessons as a life coach helping my clients get what they want. It's a story that could help you make sense of your behaviors and behaviors of loved ones with OCD. Hopefully, this story will help you treat yourself and others with more compassion and less judgment, inspire you to be more curious about how your brain works, and help you understand why you get stuck in your life and how to get unstuck. Think of this story as a work of fiction and take the ideas that resonate as true with you. I could be proven totally wrong, but I don't think so. Welcome to the Free Me From OCD podcast. If you or someone you love has OCD, you know that OCD can hold you hostage. OCD can get in the driver's seat of your life. Here you'll find the information, tips, and tools to put you back in the driver's seat of your life. I'm Dr. Vicki Rackner, your host. I call on my experience as a mother of a son diagnosed with OCD when he was in college, physician, and life coach to help you evolve into the best and highest version of yourself. Let's dive into today's episode. Once upon a time, about five or seven million years ago, our non-human ancestors roamed the planet. Then, about 300,000 years ago, Homo sapiens made their first appearance. Back then, we were both predators and prey. In order to survive as a species, we needed to avoid being a saber-toothed tiger's dinner. Keeping us alive is the brain's number one priority. Millions of years of evolution selected for brains that would, first, be hyper-alert for danger, and second, could mount a quick response to get back to safety. These two qualities conferred a survival advantage. Human brains obsess about the answer to this singular question. In this moment, right here and right now, am I safe or am I in danger? Here's how our brains answer that question. We're constantly gathering information about our surrounding environment through our senses. This information is fed to the gatekeeper of the brain called the thalamus. The thalamus sorts through the sensory input and passes significant input to the appropriate parts of the brain. Our attention is skewed to identify sights, smells, sounds, tastes, and textures that could suggest danger. Let's say our ancient, hungry paleo ancestors were wandering around the savanna. They came across a patch of brambles with blackberries, The wise elder recognizes the berries as safe and starts eating. The tribe members gather around the brambles and start eating too. Suddenly, a tribe member starts running. Then the rest of the tribe runs in the same direction. What happened? The first person to run scanned the horizon as he ate. He sees shadows of a big rock in the brambles. Without being consciously aware of it, The corner of his eye captured a movement of the shadow that was different than the shadow of the rock and the brambles would cast. The thalamus found this sight to be significant. It relayed this visual information to the amygdala, which is like the brain's danger alarm. It functions like a smoke alarm, sounding an alert in the presence of danger. On this day, the amygdala recognizes that the shadow did not fall within the safe shadow patterns. Once, this pattern turned out to be a saber-toothed tiger hiding behind the rock, stalking the tribe. Without a single conscious thought, this man's amygdala set off the danger alarm. This alarm triggers a cascade of physiologic changes that will allow this person to get back to safety. You might know it. As the fight-flight-freeze response, or maybe the stress response, or maybe the danger response. The whole body prepares to get away from the predator. The heart starts beating faster. The respiratory rate increases. The body blocks the sensation of pain so he can run even if a saber-toothed tiger grabbed a chunk of his thigh. Most importantly, he feels a strong urge to run. Imagine the person who decided these berries were just too sweet to pass up and ignored this urge. She became the saber-toothed tiger's dinner. Evolution selected for people who responded to the urge. This is a very fast neural circuit. The amygdala sees a pattern that could represent danger, and it sounds the alarm. Better to have a hundred false alarms when things are safe than to have even a single time when the alarm does not sound in the presence of danger. Evolution selected for brains that aired on the side of false alarms. The others became dinner. Let's say on a different day, caveman Fred's eye captures images of his buddy Barney running. This visual information immediately gets transmitted from the thalamus to the conscious thinking brain. Fred knows, well, Barney loves to run. He runs all the time just for pleasure. But this looks a bit different. Is Barney running from danger? Then Fred sees Barney's worried expression as he looks over his shoulder to see who or what is following him. Fred's thinking brain concludes, Barney's being chased, he's in danger, I could be in danger too. Fred's thought, I could be in danger, gets relayed to his amygdala, and the amygdala sets off the same danger alarm that triggers the physiologic changes of the fight-flight-freeze response that saved the berry eater's lives. So there are two ways to set off the amygdala the fast circuit that responds to sensory input directly from the thalamus gatekeeper, and the slower response set off by conscious thoughts. The slower response is more accurate. However, the faster responses are more likely to help outrun the predator. However, both set off the same physiologic changes. The danger response is either on or off. What if a tribe member eats a berry and dies? That would be traumatic for the entire tribe. In order to learn what berries are safe and what berries are dangerous, and to prevent others from eating lethal berries, our bodies store information about trauma. Trauma impacts the function of the amygdala and our perception about what's safe and what's dangerous. The paleo brain has three simple rules that guide and predict its behavior. Number one, stay safe. The defense response is the key tool. But if that were the only guiding principle, no one would leave the safety of the cave. This leads to the second brain rule, seek pleasure and avoid pain. The thinking brain connects specific actions to the desired emotional state. If I'm in pain and I eat the bark of a willow tree, I'll feel less pain. The actions are intended to achieve a desired emotional state. Rule number three, respond to urges. We already saw how responding to urges is part of the fight, flight, freeze response that helps us get back to safety when life and death is on the line. However, we also respond to urges when there is no danger. And here's why. Our brains consume about 20% of the body's energy. Thinking and deciding are energetically expensive. The brain saves energy by automating tasks. It creates habits. Once we have a habit, we don't need to think about what to do. We act because we feel the urge to do it. Our new habits become life patterns. The amygdala knows that pattern disruption could mean danger. When an individual does not carry out the habit, the amygdala can sound the danger alarm. So this is how the paleo brains of our hunter-gatherer ancestors worked. These neural circuits were refined over millions of years. Then, about 12,000 years ago, something dramatic happened. We got an addition to the thinking part of the brain called the prefrontal cortex. This is like adding a third story to your home. Now we have a new improved brain. The new improved brain with its prefrontal cortex allows us to imagine a future and then make our dreams come true. This brain upgrade set the stage for upgrading from the hunter-gatherer lifestyle to the agrarian lifestyle. Can you imagine the paleo brain honed for the hunter-gatherer lifestyle being invited to plant seeds? He might think, spend energy working the soil and planting seeds I could be eating today and I don't even know if it'll work like you say, what's in it for me? But if your new improved brain comes online and imagines a future in which you and your children are protected against starvation, you might take the risk and say yes to farming. The new improved brain is an additional layer added to the paleo brain. All of the circuits of the new improved brain are wired into the paleo brain, just like the second story edition gets its wiring connected to the fuse box. The paleo brain can have a hard time responding to messages from the new improved brain. The paleo brain may offer a thought about the past or the future or something happening somewhere else. The paleo brain doesn't have a context for anything except the here and now. So it responds to all thoughts as if they address the present moment and the current place. Sometimes the actions suggested by the new improved brain violate paleo brain rules. Let's say the farmer is hungry as he plants the seeds. The paleo brain offers the thought, eat the seeds, you'll feel better now. The new improved prefrontal cortex offers a different thought. Plant the seeds. Resist the urge to eat your seeds today so you can have plenty of food this winter. Planting the seeds for a hungry person breaks all of the paleo rules. To avoid starvation, the paleo people have safety rules around eating. Eat when you have access to food so you don't starve. In fact, binge when you have access to food. Eat till it hurts. Eating creates a pleasurable sensation which supports the habit of binge eating. In fact, the gut, sometimes called the second brain, is lined with brain cells. Eating is a powerful way to achieve a desired emotional state. Well, at least for the moment. Binge eating to the point of pain becomes a habit. If the farmer plants rather than eats the seeds, he's breaking the pattern of a habit. The amygdala notice, and the pattern disruption sets off the danger alarm. So what does this farmer do? Does he eat the seeds like hundreds of thousands of years of brain wiring tells him to do? Or listen to the message from the new improved prefrontal cortex that was practically born yesterday? The winning thought in the moment guides the farmer's actions. It's easier and more comfortable to eat the seeds and sate the immediate hunger It feels familiar, but in order for the farmer to plant the seeds, he must be able to proactively manage the urges and discomfort and temper tantrums of the paleo brain. Despite their differences, the paleo brain and the new improved brain share a mission, get and stay safe. Today, we're the apex predator. We're no longer prey for non-human species Still, the paleo brain serves us. This week, I drove to the bank to get some documents notarized. As I was driving through the parking lot, a parked car backed up, completely oblivious to my car's presence in his path. He was quickly heading directly towards the driver's side of my car. Without thinking, I sounded and sat on my horn and swerved sharply to the right. He missed hitting me by millimeters. Thanks to my amygdala, I didn't think, I just acted. My heart was still racing after I parked the car and entered the bank. It took about five minutes for my heart to slow and my hands to stop trembling. Once the adrenaline and cortisol released under the amygdala's direction were metabolized, I was back to normal. Sometimes the danger response explains behavior that we don't really understand. When my son was very young, I noticed that I got very, very upset when he spilled. I never understood why spilling even water was such a big deal for me. One day when my brother visited me, he spilled his water at the dinner table. He reacted almost like he had poured the water on his laptop. I remember saying to him, Barry, I get upset about spills too. Then he reminded me that our mother would go into a rage over spills. For children, having an adult out of control is very frightening. It could be dangerous. Over time, my amygdala and my brother's amygdala learned that spills were part of the pattern of danger. Spills set off the danger alarm. However, it wasn't the spills that were dangerous. It was my mother's rage. The amygdala is always learning and changing. Usually, it just has patterns that signify danger. Somebody with OCD may suddenly decide that the odd numbers are dangerous. The amygdala complies and sets off the alarm when the odd numbers are observed. The amygdala also has the ability to learn that patterns previously thought to be dangerous are, in fact, safe. I went through an exercise of training my amygdala that spills were safe. When my brain notices the racing heart after a spill... I've learned to put my hand over my heart and say, you are safe, I'm the mom now, and I know this is just a spill. We have a core human longing to be safe. This means being able to identify and respond to dangers. If seeing danger is good, is seeing more possible danger in more places, as somebody with OCD does, better? Sometimes too much of a good thing is dangerous. One summer, I was the eyes for a blind graduate student in experimental physics. His name is Kent Cullors, and he was portrayed in the movie Contact with Jodie Foster. One day, I asked Kent about how he lost his vision. He said he was born a preemie in the early 50s. Back then, pediatricians knew that giving preemies oxygen improved the chances of survival. Well, if a little oxygen is good, more is better, right? Kent was put into an incubator with 100% oxygen. The doctors, in their well-intentioned effort to help, were unaware that high levels of oxygen are toxic to the retina. They unfortunately did harm. Maybe people with OCD would have been the admired superstars in the paleo days, who wouldn't want somebody who saw hidden danger in hidden places. But these same qualities can be, become liabilities In modern life. In every moment of every day, we get to decide which brain is in the driver's seat of our lives, the paleo brain or the new improved brain. Most people just let their brains do what brains will do. They don't even know who's in the driver's seat. They're not aware that there are ways to ascend to the new improved brain. They don't know this is an option letting brains do what they do is like letting a toddler run with scissors it comes with risks for a human the risk is a threatened happy ending if i were recording this podcast in december of 2019 this would be a good place to end but our world changed in a way that impacts this conversation early on the covid pandemic represented a dangerous physical threat to our lives before vaccine was available, individuals and families could only wonder what they could do to keep themselves safe. Today, the COVID pandemic continues to represent a threat to our sense of safety. Of course, our paleo brains wanted to get and stay in the driver's seat of our lives. This is their moment. Did you feel a jolt of fear or anxiety as you walked through the grocery store in the early 2020s and you observed the empty shelves? Did you feel a hit of dopamine the first time you found toilet paper on the shelves? Your paleo brain can interpret COVID-imposed social isolation as dangerous. After all, in paleo times, isolation meant certain death. The paleo brain can treat financial scarcity or job loss as a modern saber-toothed tiger. It's completely understandable that we would respond to the stresses of the COVID pandemic with the thought, this is too much to bear. This is the very definition of trauma, and we know that trauma impacts the amygdala and makes it harder for us to feel safe. This means that it's more important than ever to know who is in the driver's seat of your life, your paleo brain or your new improved brain. If you would like to live happily ever after, you're much more likely to get there when your new improved brain, not your paleo brain, is in the driver's seat of your life. This is what we help our kids imprisoned by OCD do. We help them see that the OCD monster does not need to be in the driver's seat of their life. There are options. We share simple ideas that help people be freed from the tyranny of OCD. Witness and choose your thoughts. Feel your feelings. Resist urges. It means learning to proactively use your mind to manage your brain. This is something that can serve all of us, especially today. Well, thank you for stopping by and listening to this podcast episode. What do you think of this story about how the human brain works? Please leave your thoughts. In the next podcast episode, I'll compare and contrast the normal brain, and normal is in air quotes, and neurodiverse brains like the brains of people with OCD and ADHD. See you next time. If you found value in this episode, please feel welcome to share it with others you know who are helping their adult children be freed from OCD. Thank you for your time. You can do this.